Welcome to Purpose and Productivity, a podcast made possible by the SkyPass Group of Companies and SkyLife Success. Join Krish Dunham, an author and speaker whose messaging has been described as the junction where God's ability and man's availability meet hope's accessibility. Greetings, everybody, with another episode of Purpose and Productivity. This is your host, Krish Dunham. I'm coming to you on a gloomy day that is overcast with a slight drizzle, temperatures in the mid-30s that is pretty close to freezing for those of you who are listening in other parts of the world. But there is warmth behind the window that we are on, which is the inside. There is heat within the heart. So we contend, we compete, and we complete. The message that I wanted to talk about today is simply titled, The Casualties of Culture. Right now on the horizon is a line of fright, there is a line of flight, and there is a line of fight. Some people want to preserve what exists, some people want to run from it, and the other people are afraid of it. And as a result, this is causing a great consternation within society, and today I'm coming to you as a culture commentator. I'm going to rely on the anthropology that I study to understand human behavior and then try to manifest some messages of hope in these turbulent times that realizes that there is a shockwave that is permeating culture that is resulting in these casualties. Then there is the stand which we have to make so that we realize that there is a culture we have to defend if there is a world we have to leave behind. And then there's a direction that you can navigate because you resisted this onslaught of whether it was debauchery, whether it was doubt, whether it was deceit, whether it was depression. Now, the reason I started with the darkness outside is most of us are now in the moments of that COVID fatigue. We are in those moments of uh, pandemic peril. Months have gone by, weeks have gone by, the days have joined together in one kind of long symphony of misery. When I talked to people all across the globe, initially there was hope that uh, there was uh, an end to this. Uh, In between, there was a desire to learn how to struggle during it. And now people have almost thrown their hands up in the air and said, you know what, I can't fight anymore. I'm just going to just walk away from this. Well, where do we go? Where do we turn? How do we turn? We always go back to the good book. And uh, I love this hymn by Isaac Watts. I think it is a correlation of one of the Psalms that is brought together. But it basically talks about a man's plea to God and why we have arrived at this culture of casualty, this uh, society that seemingly has ignored the signs of uh, this symbolic peril that we are facing. Here's how the hymn goes. Why did the nations join to slay the Lord's anointed son? Why did they cast his laws away and tread his gospel down? The Lord that sits above the sky derides their rage below. He speaks with vengeance in his eyes and strikes their spirits through. I call him my eternal son and raise him from the dead. I make my holy hill his throne and wide his kingdom spread. Ask me, my son, and then enjoy the utmost heathen lands. Thy rod of iron shall destroy the rebel that withstands. Be wise, ye rulers of the earth, obey the anointed Lord, adore the king of heavenly birth, and tremble at his word. With humble love address his throne, for if he frown, ye die, those are secure, and those alone who on his grace rely. 
Here we have been asked to draw this line between secular and sacred. We've been asked to draw this line that would allow us to somehow uh, coexist with the casualties of culture, the debauchery and the deceit, the downtroddenness, the despair. But hope needs to arise. If we hadn't abdicated and jettisoned a moral law, we would not have thrown out a moral lawgiver and humanity might have had a foundation to stand on. I'm excited at this crossroads. Two of my books are being released this week. One called Twilight, that is an ode to Mr. Ziegler and how in me he saw someone who he could offer colorful hope because he worshipped a colorblind God. He said, one day I will stand in front of that God. If you came to me as a worker, if you came to me as assistant, if you came to me as an associate, how do I stand in front of that God and say, I relegated him to the ash bin of culture, to the ash heap of culture. I relegated him to the backyard because I had already made mine. And as a result of that, he is now a casualty of this culture. The homogenous nature of us is we were never designed to be an island. Man was designed to integrate. So the first premise is we have to realize this shock. We have to overcome the shock of realizing the casualties of culture. Look around you and ask yourself, have families been torn asunder? Has depression taken its toll? Has anxiety been something that has invaded your, ha- your homes with people taking endless amounts of prescription medicine just to have balance? Have changes been made within the confines of the people in your family and decisions made as adults that you cannot confront nor can you compete with because that's a casualty of culture? Now remember, I'm not giving a moralist judgment of saying something is good or bad, but we are all feeling this shock when we realize that the culture around us has not only inundated our lives, it has overtaken our families, it has corrupted our thought processes, it has completely disheveled innocence, it has lambasted hope, it has completely upended everything. Right is wrong, wrong is right, yes is no, no is yes, black is white, white is black. And this non-boundary, non-essential thought process is seemingly corrupting us to the degree that we are looking out of the window and we are seeing darkness. When I look out of the window and I've started this podcast with that way that I look out of this window and I see darkness. I see a street lamp struggling to give its light because there is a There is a mist, a gentle mist of frozen precipitation or something that could be frozen precipitation falling. The weather is cold, the wind is bone jarring, and uh, somehow you walk through that from your automobile or from your bus stop and you get inside the office and there is no motivation because when you arrive in the environment, A, you can bring God with you, B, you can bring your morals with you, C, you can bring your uh, righteousness with you, D, you can bring your assumptions and your judgments with you. So you're walking around as if in a zombie apocalypse. You're looking around, there's darkness. You're looking about, there is regulation. There's looking beyond, uh, there's consternation. And then suddenly you're caught in the middle. So the question to ask yourself is, is it fight? Is it fright? Or is it flight? Do you stand and fight? Do you look at the casualties of culture and say, you know what, on my watch, I'm not going to. Remember the words we recited. Why did the nations join to slay the Lord's anointed son? Why did they cast his laws away and tread his gospel down? Let's move away from the theological. Are there moral laws that society has to contend with? 
Right now on the streets of many places in the United States, anytime there is a police altercation of some kind, immediately we descend into protest. The pro- protest is, uh, is basically descends into some kind of anarchy. Uh, people hold up placards uh, denouncing the establishment. They talk about privilege. And very soon that moves into some kind of a riot. The riot almost always ends into looting. And looting has the picture of people running through the stores, filling their pockets, uh, actually carrying backpacks with them and putting essentials in them. On one side, you have the purveyors and the pundits of positivity, those that are trying to say that this is somehow someone else's fault, and those are essentials. Well, if you don't have food to eat, I don't know how a 65-inch TV makes that work for you unless you take it and sell it. Either way, it's stealing. I don't care what kind of spin you put on it. I came to America, started with a minimum wage job, and there have been highs and there have been lows. There have been times where our income had gotten to a point where we really had to tie our a knot, proverbial knot, on that old end of that old financial rope that had been tethered and hoped to hang on. I went through the same darkness of this pandemic. Most of my income was sidelined. We just cut short on our production. But what we did do was find someone else with a bigger problem than ours and tried to get invested in solving their problem. But that is because we understand that there is a casualty in this culture and there is something that there is a shock of that realization. Just switch on your news. Ask yourself, who does the protest help? The protest helps if they feel that they are marginalized and they want to create some kind of reform. And we have had entire civilizations turn because of that reform. We've had entire countries gain independence because people took a stand. Mahatma Gandhi did it in 1916. He came back to India from South Africa and led a nonviolent revolution. More people were killed in the bloodshed of the partition than had died in the previous 200 years of the fight for independence. Martin Luther King picked up that nonviolent perception and said, let us bring reform. A civil rights act was passed. A civil rights movement was established. And people rose to the very heights of this country. We had an African-American who became president of the United States. We had two secretaries of state who were African-American. We have a justice on the Supreme Court who's African-American. We have senators. We have congressmen. We have businessmen. And I'm not talking about African-American. I'm talking about Indian-American, Chinese-American. Just about every race of people have prospered. Who do you call? When you look at this culture, first, is the shock real? Second, what stand are you going to make when you realize you have to defend? A couple of weeks ago, I was in, uh, in a place called Front Sight uh, Arms Training in Nevada, where I went through some constitutional classes. I've made no bones about it that I'm more conservative leaning in my thought process. But if you go on my social media, I don't make value judgments. I don't make moral judgments. Every once in a while, you'll see me make a sarcastic comment, but that's tongue in cheek. And nine times out of 10, I almost have to make a disclaimer so nobody won't get offended. But that's the fight. The fight is freedom of speech is still free and men have died to give us that right. So I have fee- I really do feel that people have a right to protest. I have a feeling that if you see something unjust happening and a law officer, a law official or a law enforcement official has overstepped his bounds or has used undue force and you feel it has maligned you because of race or creed or gender or whatever, you have a right to protest. But that right seeds at the point of protest where you willfully say that I disagree with what has happened and one of the fundamental rights I've been given is the right to assemble and the right to protest and the right to be heard. 
But you do not have a right to break into someone's store, someone else's hard-earned money, steal their stuff, and do it all in the name of being marginalized. That is why we have laws. That is why the shock has to be real. The stand you make when you realize you have to defend is a profound point in human history. This entire nations will decide their fate based on how people make that stand. Now, this is I'm a first generation immigrant to the United States. And even though I quote the U.S. as an example, I can quote an example from any part of the world because I've traveled to much of the world. Many of the countries I've been to had their own revolution, whether it was a senator that had been assassinated when he stepped off a plane or uh, someone else uh, uh, took power immediately after that. And that was the beginning of a revolution that shaped a Southeast Asian country or whether it was the land of my birth and the freedom struggle they went through, wherever it is. Anthropology has always sided with people who peacefully assembled, had an idea that was different from what the establishment was offering and decided that in order for it to come their way, there were two ways they would do it. They could take it by force, as some societies have done, and that's never played out. You cannot replace a democracy with any kind of monarchy because that won't work. Ask yourself what happened when that experiment was tried in Russia. The czars of the Romanov dynasty were pillaging their people. And as a result of that, the people said, hey, Lenin's manifesto is something that will give us more collective bargaining power. It will restore some of the production to the people who are actually producing it. And bottom line, something amazing they thought would happen. But a little power became more power, more power became more power. And Lenin's calm manifesto of returning something to the production of those that produced resulted in Stalin's totalitarianism, an experiment that lasted for 75 years and resulted in an iron curtain being part of Eastern Europe from the time the Second World War ended. So we have to be careful what we ask for. So first, there is a shock of realizing that there are definite casualties to this culture. And the casualties that are happening all around us, if you don't take a stand now, remember what happened. We can throw words like fascist and all that around, and half the people who throw these words around are just... It, it irks me to no end that if I went up to them and asked them, can you define some of these words of derogatory nature that you're throwing because you don't understand what they mean and they turn to you and look at you like, how can you be so condescending enough to ask me the definition of that which I shout? If, you, if I have to give you the definition of that which I believe, then you're part of the problem. And I thought to myself, how the heck do you believe in something without even understanding the definition of that which you believe in? So your stand has consequences, and this may not be what you would want to hear as a popularity contest, but I thought I'd get this off my chest today because if you want to be motivated, you have to overcome the shock, that initial fright that something is happening. You have to make a stand. This is the fight that you're willing to do. And then the direction. This is the flight of fancy, the direction you can navigate because you resisted. Again, I go back to the heroes of old. If any of them had given up, we may not have had the light bulb. If any of them had given up, we may not have had the library. If people like Benjamin Franklin had given up, we may not have had the Constitution. If people like uh, Patrick Henry hadn't stood up and spoken, we may not have had Thomas Jefferson later on writing the Declaration. 
Again, I'm giving you an American historical thing. You can delve into the histories of nations any which way you want, and you will find that at every given point in human history, there were these three distinctive demarcations that talked about the casualties of culture. Anytime a society pivoted, it was because initially they had to absorb the shock of realizing that there were casualties all around. Right now, when you look at this pandemic and the fact that a majority of the kids have been at home, we look forward a year from now and we realize that an entire generation of people are now going to come out who have less awareness of what the world is than they did before this year began. And trust me, there are entire groups of people who depend on the education system to educate their people and give them that foundational learning and that foundational understanding. Remember, before you can have productivity, you have to have purpose. And when you get that purpose, that glimpse of what is the desire and the destiny, amazing things will happen. So make sure you understand and internalize and absorb the shock. Then take a stand, personalize how you are going to stand tall. People have asked me during this time, uh, is it, uh, I'm not talking about posting on social media as to who you voted for. I think I put my obligatory picture on there that I voted because that is something fashionable to do. It also doesn't mean that you constantly bombard me with who you're voting for or how you're voting for, because that's okay. Based on the preferences and the algorithms, the majority of things in my feed are things I agree with, because over a period of time, I've just muted stuff I disagree with, or I silenced it, or I distanced it, which is my luxury in the digital space. But the digital space is where our arguments and our counter arguments end, but there's a reality that goes on in society, and that is the living out of these opinions. If there's an entire generation of people who believe that nobody has to do any work, then Adrian Rogers' words from 1984 come true when he says one half of the people cease to work because they feel someone else is getting what they work for and the other half of the people say, I don't need to work because someone's going to take care of me. That is the beginning of the end. The direction you can navigate because you resisted. I go back to Holy Writ. Ask me, my son, and then enjoy the utmost heathen lands. Thy rod of iron shall destroy the rebel that withstands. Be wise, ye rulers of the earth. Obey the anointed Lord. Adore the king of heavenly birth and tremble at his word. With humble love address his throne. For if he frown, ye die. Those are secure and those alone who on his grace rely. I think somewhere we need to go back to a God-sanctioned identity, a God-created uh, integrity, a God-provided informative that tells us that we were wonderfully and fearfully made, that we did not come as a product of time plus matter plus chance, some random collocation of atoms from goo to zoo to you, as one person put it. But we were designed to be relevant. Mrs. Ziegler always said man was designed for accomplishment, engineered for success, and endowed with the seeds of greatness. So today, even though it's raining outside, as it still is outside my window, I decided that I would embrace the darkness outside and embrace the cold outside by focusing on the warmth within my heart, the heat within the building. Look internally and ask myself, I've got to accept the shock that there is a casualty in culture. I've got to take a stand, otherwise it will dissipate. And I've got to navigate a direction so that there is a future I can arrive at and there is an opportunity to do some things. Otherwise, folks, as Solomon said, it'll all be just a fleeting of time and a passing in the wind. Until next time, this has been Purpose and Productivity. Absorb the shock. Take a stand, navigate. God bless.
That concludes another episode of Purpose and Productivity with Chris Dunham, brought to you by Skylife Success. Please subscribe, rate, and visit us on the web at chrisdunham.com and skylifesuccess.com, where you can find our social media links and access to additional resources. Till next time, happy learning and happy living.